Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. From the beginning, God has been all about breaking through the darkness. On that creation day, as he spoke the words, let there be light, he he broke through the darkness of the world, giving way to creation just as he did on that Christmas morning when he broke into the darkness of humanity and brought the great light of the world. He's a God who has not left things the way he found them, but a God who creates and redeems. Because even in creation, as God designs, man has their own will and their own way, and sin enters the world, but God never gave up on man. He never gave up on us, his creation that he made a way for us. He came as a great light, and as some would believe that God created the world and then walked away, in fact, he never walked away. He created the world, but instead of walking away, created and gave the great light that we could find our way back to him. This great light that has been given is a light that is is one that can never be extinguished, that on that purpose of his creation as he set in motion, constantly moving, that a light that can never be extinguished but will always and forever keep breaking through the darkness, the darkness of our world and the darkness of our lives. This great light has come, and here on this Christmas Eve, we receive and we celebrate, and we celebrate the light of the world that has come through Jesus Christ. The prophecies of Jesus' birth spoken by many And hundreds of years before Jesus arrived, they spoke of his arrival. And Isaiah speaks of his coming as a great light that would come. And in fact, Isaiah says that a great light will come upon those who walk in darkness, that those in darkness will see a great light. Isaiah goes on to speak that speaks of Jesus coming 700 years before that he was setting in motion. And Isaiah gives words of encouragement for your light has come. He speaks to them of prophecy, of they have something to look forward to. It wasn't that their current situation was everything that they desired, but the promised light was to come. And because the promise would come, they could arise and shine like a kid at Christmas who doesn't have to wait for Christmas to get excited, but just the idea of Christmas coming is enough to bring joy. Just the thought of its arrival, of its soon nearing, of it coming, that they had reason to rise and shine because the light of God was going to shine upon them. Isaiah 60 continues, and it speaks of words like caravans. In chapter 6, or or, or, or verse 6 says, caravans of camels will come with people bringing gifts of frankincense and gold, and many will come to worship in the city. How many know that foretold of Jesus' arrival, even after he was two years old, his wise men came? But then Isaiah ends chapter 60 with these words. He gives a word of encouragement. He says, no longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. 
your days of mourning will come to an end. I don't know if there's anybody who can recognize today that because of Christmas, our days of mourning have come to an end. We will have seasons of mourning. We will have seasons of difficulty, but we recognize that we have this hope that even in grief, we hold on to hope. Why? All because of Christmas. All because the promised one came. This everlasting hope is because Christmas brought forth an everlasting light. On that silent night in a little town called Bethlehem, that a young girl who said yes, and because of her yes, it gave way to the light of the world shining upon us. And I know that we can hear the story oftentimes and sometimes in the beauty, beauty and, the, uh, and just the majesty of the moment overlook that even though it was beautiful, even, even though it was magnificent, it was also a process that had tension and difficulty. There was tension and strain in the process of this light coming into the world. And I think this Christmas, to remember what it is the process of light to come into the world, what does it look like for light to break through the darkness, it's a process that I think gives us hope and encouragement and reminds us what Christmas brings to us, not only in this season, in this moment, but in all of our lives, at every place and every point that we find ourselves, that this process lets us know the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. The story of Mary saying yes and this, this, this realization of, of her willingness to be given unto God for the purpose of carrying the Messiah. In Luke chapter one, it says this, that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be an ancestor to David. He will be the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. That the great light that broke into the darkness that both at creation and at salvation. In creation we hear and recognize that the, that the spirit of God was hovering over the earth and that hovering was the process of light breaking through the darkness and at salvation it came again as the, as the presence of God, the glory of God overshadowed Mary giving way to salvation. In both places, light breaking through the darkness, this process still taking place in our lives today that light is breaking through the darkness of our moments. I think it reminds us or gives us understanding of what Christmas brings. And this Christmas, we wanna remind you that light is still breaking through the darkness. There is no darkness too great that God can't meet. 
There's no darkness too thick. There's nothing too long. There's not a situation too hard and too much that our God is not able to break through the darkness of our lives. Christmas tells us that he's a God who causes light to break through the darkness. What it lets us know and reminds us in this Christmas, we want you to be reminded that number one, you understand this, that because of Christmas, he is near. He is near. He is a God who is ever-present. He's a God who is in motion. He's a God who is near each and every one of us. His nearness is, is the real reality of a God who doesn't run away from your darkness, but a God who runs into your darkness. A God who is not offended, is, is not offended, is not put off, is not in a place that he's overwhelmed or surprised by your darkness. His light is greater. He can overshadow any darkness. He's near. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from, their, from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If you've ever felt brokenhearted and you've ever felt crushed, you're in good company because that is the place of God's nearness. He's near to those in broken situations, in crushed spirits, that he's a God who is near to the brokenhearted. His nearness is a ready a readiness to, to move. It's a posture of readiness to move upon the call of his people. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. It's a promise and a truth and a hope that we have that he's near to the brokenhearted. He's, he's near. Christmas reminds us that he's near. He's, he's so near that he hears your cry. He hears the longing of your heart. He hears the brokenness, the things that we speak from. He hears because he's near to us. Christmas also reminds us in the coming of light, breaking through the darkness, that our God is, is a God who is near, but he's also a God who is moving. The process of light breaking through the darkness is the result of God being in constant motion. He's an ever-present help. He's always working. He's a God who is moving in our situations. In every place and time, God has been moving. Even in places that we look and say, where was God in those, in certain moments and how things occurred, that God is near and still working on behalf of his people that we might know him in his grace and his mercy. Sometimes the moving of God is not always just the pleasantries and the delights. Sometimes the indication of God's moving are the things that we can recognize as agitations taking place around us. I want to just point out that here at creation, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was hovering and at salvation over Mary, the Spirit of God was overshadowing. Both of these are words that speak of, of a motion, of a, a shaking, a, a, a moving. It was an, an agitation. In fact, the, the, the word for, for hovering means to brew, to stir. There was, was brewing Anything that is brewed and, and even the came to change man from their current condition of sin and headed into eternal life and the, to make dead people alive. He came to change the condition. And I don't know if you recognize, but sometimes the process of changing the condition isn't always easy. The process of changing the condition isn't just snap your finger, blink your eyes a couple times, and it just appears. The process of, of condition or changing allows us to always walk through and say, God, I don't know. In fact, this is Mary's words. When, when the, the Lord comes, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're about to have a child. Mary says these words. The Bible says she thought to herself, what does this mean? 
Have you ever been in life circumstance and said, what is going on? What is happening? Mary's in the moment. She says, what does this mean? And the angel says, you're, you're going to receive a child. You're gonna conceive of the Holy Spirit and have a child. Her next question is, how is that even possible? I'm not even married. Here, Mary is in her situation saying, what is going on and how's this even gonna work out? Have you ever been in life's moments? What is going on and how is this going out? I want you're going to work. I want you to recognize those what is going on and how's this going to work are the agitated moments in life that God is allowing you and I to surrender and allow the great light of his glory to break in and redirect us. You see, we have a response today. We can either reject what God wants to do in our lives or we can surrender and submit and say yes. This whole idea of being overshadowed and, and this whole idea of hovering Another word that goes with this is trembling. When I think of trembling, there's two things in my childhood that made me tremble. One, getting in trouble with mom. And two, getting called on in class to give an answer to a question. Can anybody relate? Those are trembling moments. They're moments that I shake. And as I look, and if we're being honest and really identifying what really causes us to tremble, we tremble because of fear of consequence or we tremble because of fear of opportunity. In your trembling moment is an opportunity for you to allow the great light of God's glory. The Bible says this, open up you ancient gates and let the king of glory come in. Who is the king of glory? He is strong and mighty. He is a God of victory. He is a God who is for you and not against you. On Christmas, the king of glory came into the earth in the form of a baby and came among us and he's still moving today, and your moments of life are an opportunity to allow God in those agitated moments. This is a simple opportunity to allow the light of the glory to work. When something agitates us, it's a moment to stop and say, oh God, help me to respond now according to the light of your glory. Help me to say yes to the light of your glory rather than just being agitated and put off and bothered. How many know that if we give an invitation and allow God to let the light of his glory transform us in the agitated moments, we will become people who are no longer like we used to be? I don't know if that's just me. But how many know it's the agitated moments that we say the yes to God, that we say, God, let the light of your glory shine in and it allows us, this is God moving. God is still moving at Christmas. There was an agitated moment when, a, when a, a young woman who was never married said yes, even though the questions were, what is going on? And how is this even possible? That God was breaking through the darkness. He's near, he's moving. And the greatest news we have recognizing Christmas is that he is here. He's a God who is here Right now, he's a God who is in our midst. The long-awaited promise has arrived. That's why we celebrate Christmas. All from the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve, they waited for this son to come. In fact, they knew because of sin that entered the world with their disobedience, they were set outside of the garden. And from that moment, Eve began to wait and anticipate that a son would be born and that that son would be the Messiah the answer to their problems, to get them back to the garden. She was so anticipating this work that she makes this announcement that when she has her first son, his name is Cain. She names him Cain, and his name literally means here he is. She presents as here is the child born. The only problem is he was born from two sinful people. 
and the only one who could be presented as the perfect son of God must be born pure and holy without blemish. How would that happen? On that Christmas day when a virgin would give birth to child and his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. He was not announced in a public affair, in a public setting. He was not announced in his arrival except for angels who announced to shepherds. But his announcement came on the steps of a Roman governor. In a Roman governor's palace when he was now in his early 30s, this Messiah who came is now announced by saying, here he is, when Pilate sentenced him to be beaten. Pilate had had him beaten, brought out on that day before the crowd, and after being punished, Pilate says to the people, here is the man. I find no fault with him. And what Pilate was doing was exactly what the scripture said, that he would be like a lamb led to the slaughter, willingly, and that he would be inspected and found to be without sin. He was inspected by the Roman governor of that day, and the Roman governor even said, I have no fault with him, but here is the man, and the people in the crowd said, crucify him. And Jesus was announced, not at a place of triumph, not in a place of prestige, but in a place of brokenness, in a place of beating and humility, He was announced on the steps of a Roman governor. Here is the man. Why? Because he gave himself to be light breaking through the darkness. He gave himself to come for all the broken, for all the hurting, for all the downtrodden. He came for us in our life's moment. Christmas is all about the one who came, who died, who gave himself for us. Jesus knew his purpose and he knew what he was called to do when he said with his own words in Luke chapter four, it speaks of Jesus as he's beginning his ministry. It says, when Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, which was his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He then rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and he sat down. All the eyes of the synagogue looked intently at Jesus. Then he began to speak to them. He said, the scriptures you have just heard have been fulfilled this very day in your hearing. Why? Because he is here. The one who has promised to be the victor, the one who would overcome death, hell, and the grave. He has arrived and he's here today to break through your darkness. Whatever it is, the great light has come. Those who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and his name is Jesus. These years later, he's still a God who has set his course to seek and to save those who are lost. He's a God who came on Christmas in the form of man to say to you and I that he's near to the brokenhearted. He's moving in your situation, and he is here to bring hope in dark places. He's came to seek and to save those who are lost.
ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? seen a great light. The light of the world has come. His name is Jesus. 
He came on that Christmas to bring light to our dark world that we would not be forever separated from God, but that the path might be illuminated through Jesus Christ to find our way. Today, there's only two types of people in the room, those walking in the light of Jesus and those walking in the darkness of this world. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because the standard of heaven is perfection. And only one accomplished the standard. And now he has shared his life with us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Righteousness just simply means to be in right standing, to be in a right relationship with God. You can't get there by good deeds. You can't get there by good church attendance. You can't get there by good moral ability. How good do you have to be to make it? Perfect. Good luck with that. There's no way that we can make it on our own, but Jesus came to our dark world And wherever you are today, I want you to know there is no darkness too deep that the light of his glory cannot shine. To even one who said, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. There's a God who will meet you in your darkest place. And on this Christmas, our hope and our prayer is that you will walk with the light of his glory. To receive Jesus as your savior. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and Following this prayer, we're going to sing together and light our candles as just a symbol of receiving the light of the world that has come. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity in this moment of prayer. If you'd bow your heads and pray with me. Just as we pray today, if you're here and you say, Jason, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't have to say many words because the Holy Spirit's already speaking to your heart. It's not words of man. It's God speaking to you. It wasn't the moving of a song. It wasn't the words of a man. It was the Spirit of God stirring your heart. And you sense the Spirit of God stirring your heart. Maybe you're watching at home on this Christmas Eve. Even if you're watching by yourself, you feel like you're alone. There's a God who is with you. It's not an accident. It's a God who is is ordering your steps that you would know His great love. Just as we pray here today in this dark room, but in this place of decision, you say, today I need to receive Jesus as my Savior, turning from my dark path and coming to relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are. I can't even see the hands that are in this room. I don't even, but if that's you, just lift your hand and put it down because it's just saying to God, God, I, I need you in my dark place of life. I can't make it without you. For those who have raised their hand, I want us to pray together. Would you repeat this prayer with me as a prayer of salvation, of acknowledging Jesus as Lord of your life? As a family, would you just repeat this with me today? Dear Jesus. I receive your light. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came. I believe that you died. And I believe that you rose again. I acknowledge my need for you. 
I am yours. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that we have this great light that shines in our heart. Thank you that the light of the world is coming on this Christmas Eve. We receive the light, this great light who is Jesus. Now, God, we pray that as these candles are lit, may it be a reminder and more than a symbol of our hearts receiving this light that came on that Christmas morning. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the light that has come. In Jesus' name.